0: that picture of perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity. Our Scripture this morning is going to be the last one in the series on church vitality, and next week we're going to step back into the Psalms. Um, But this, I I think this is a good final place to land, and it's from the end of chapter two of the book of Acts, a famous chapter, but this isn't the famous part. The, it's the famous chapter when the Spirit falls on believers and they speak in, in other languages. And then Peter gives his great first sermon, and the church is born. And, and many people, 3,000 people, come to Christ. And then we have our passage. And uh, it's, well, I'll talk more about it in a moment. But let's come to it. And we're going to be, begin in verse 42 and go through the end of the chapter of the second chapter of Acts. Listen now to the Word of God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, guide us as we consider your word, as we consider how you're molding us and shaping us by your word. God, guide my words, guide all of our hearts and minds as we stand before you and and your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We are in the transition time as a church, and it, it got me thinking. I, I, I grew up in a nautically themed home. We moved homes in different parts of mostly Newport Beach as I was growing up, but we always carried our nautical theming along with us. And it was decorated with well, all sorts of things, paintings of ships, models of ships, sailors' wools, Ship things all around us, but there was one thing that was always in the way, and uh, most of the time we stored it on the middle of a, a, a little game table that we used often, and so we were always just having to move this thing out of the way. And it was a box about this big, and uh, and it was heavy because inside of it it had a a brass sextant, and and. Those things, they, they were used for navigating by the stars and the sun and, and figuring out where they were while they're out on the open sea. And they'd be out there in the middle of the ocean, and they'd pull these things out, and they'd figure out where they were and, and what direction they needed to go from there. That's what we're doing right now as a church. There are times when you're going along and you need to to stop for a moment and think about where you've come from, figure out where you are, and and point a direction to go from there and decide the path. How how are you going to get there? So so let's start as we look at the picture, and let's start with the biggest picture possible, the world map, so to speak, of where we are at as a church church. And as believers, we stand in the middle of a worldwide church of followers of Jesus. God is at work all around us to the far edges of the world and at home right here. And we stand also in the middle of a story, the story of the church of of believers through time between Adam and the faithful of the Old Testament times between Jesus' ascension and Pentecost when the church was born and the end. And we're in the middle of that story right now. Our congregation is a part of this bigger picture. Even as we have our own history, think of the cloud of witnesses who have been part of New Hope and First Presbyterian Church Renton, Part of this fellowship all the way back to Whitworth, its founder. Many of you have walked away, you were part of the church when we walked away from a previous denomination and, and the building and, and built this one. Now, we're part of a transitional process in which we look around for where we are and choose the direction and the leader to go from here. And we're in this process. And, and having gone through meeting many of you and turning over every stone to be very honest about where we're at and, and, and doing some work of reconciliation, knowing that there's always more of that to do ahead. We're not done with that. But we're also beginning to look forward. And the vision team has been working, surrounded by prayer, at, at what we can see for ourselves, of ourselves, and now reaching out into our neighborhood to uncover the needs and opportunities to serve and connect to the community around us, just like this uh, opportunity in a couple weeks. And, and we're having folks from the team that are going to go out and sit down with police officers and firemen and, and community leaders and, and, and those who have the pulse of the neighborhood, people like realtors. If you have other resources like this, let those on the vision team know, and, and we'll, we'll catch up with them and get their, their perspective on the neighborhood, on the, on the community. And I'm hoping, I'm not promising, but hoping that we'll have a, a report to the session and the congregation in September. And at that point, we'll put together the Pastoral Nominating Committee, PNC, which is the search committee for the next Pastor. Here's what we're all anxious for. This is where we want to get. We want to to know what we're going to do. We just want to know what we can do to be a great church. Just just tell us what to do. Today's scripture describes the early church, really the, the first church. And from the very beginning, this is what they did. The book of Acts tells amazing stories of the work of God building His church after Jesus' resurrection. It begins with His ascension in chapter 1, right into the birth of the church at Pentecost in chapter 2 up to our passage today. But in the rest of the book, there are stories of healings, of Peter and Paul boldly preaching of God working while apostles are imprisoned, of Stephen's martyrdom, Paul's conversion and missionary journeys and adventures and more imprisonments and shipwrecks and so many things. God is working through it all. But often, between the narratives of these amazing works of God, there are transition passages that just described regular church life. What was going on the rest of the time? There's a phrase in some translations, all the while, this is what they did as a church. And it is a, it's a modest passage that would be easily passed over to, as a transition to get to the next great narrative, the next great work of God. But here, we get a picture of their daily life together, the things they did and the way they felt. And especially, that first verse here sums up as succinctly as could be said the things that first church did. Scripture, care and fellowship, worship and prayer. seems so basic and simple. And then we get to the results, the fruit, the way they they felt, not primarily because of the things that they were doing, but because of what God was doing. The awe, the miracles, and sharing, and generosity, and gladness, and sincerity in their life together, and and the growth. This morning, we're going to take a look at the things they did, because that's what we're so anxious to figure out for ourselves. So let's see what they did from the very beginning. Ever since then, this is the stuff that churches do. Now, I don't know that order means anything here, but the first thing mentioned is learning. It's dedicated to the apostles' teaching. This is very simply the study of Scripture. The apostles' teaching is later going to be the New Testament of our Bible. And they study it because they understand this writing faithfully captures and passes on the revelation of God to us. It is God speaking to his church, his people who will listen. And there's no other way we can know these things uh, and, and and know these things about the way things are. The whole story of creation and the fall and redemption of God's design of our brokenness from sin and the only solution through the saving work of Jesus. I I hope that sounds a little bit familiar, those three things. That's just the gospel in those three circles that I talked about earlier this month. But understanding those three things, those simple things, that revelation of God in the Scripture changes everything. And especially through the study of Scripture, we are equipped. Learning has a purpose. It's the trait of being a Christian. It's to grow in, into maturity so that we're not tossed about by all the wind and the waves surrounding us in this world. Christians are always learning, always growing always remaining in Scripture. The more we know, the deeper we go into the mystery of God. What this looks like for us is that everything we do is going to either be in Scripture or consciously reflecting it, including Sundays, discipleship programs, outreach events, mission trips, everything we do, and all of that, it all started at the very beginning of the church. They were dedicated to the apostles' teaching. The second thing is they were dedicated to fellowship. Now, i got to say something here. Everything in our world right now, everything in the philosophy and the psychology of the world today is Pulling people apart. In our world, you hear it all the time on on any, especially children's show, but you hear how we are meant to define ourselves in opposition to others, anyone else, to be strong, independent individuals. No one else is going to make us who we are. But the problem with that philosophy is that it atomizes our world and has only made us Honestly, the most lonely society in history. From the very nature of God being a trinity of persons, Christianity moves us in the opposite direction. Christianity, in Christianity, we are individuals coming together as one body, a, a, a church. And we have many different roles. We're all different, but we come together. And as a church, we are never alone. The church is about a breadth and a depth of connection. Now, (laughs) if you've been in church for a while, we know we live in a broken world. And that brokenness comes into church. And we often fail at this, at this coming together. But we also have a a, a model and a path of forgiveness and grace and healing that is also very much a part of church life. And ultimately, this fellowship is headed somewhere. That picture from that last verse in the song, a fellowship that is going to be fulfilled in heaven. I'll come back to that later. What it looks like for us is, this, is, is fellowship and, and deepening relationships that are a key part of our church life. Every gathering, whether it's worship, board meetings, mission trips, anything we do, connections and friendships outside the building and programs, outside of our building and programs as well. It was so, it was so good to see so many of you at the Erwilian concert last night and just to feel connected. Together, out in the world, I know we go visit each other in the hospitals. We make the calls and care for each other, especially when when our needs are greatest. We're in each other's lives. The early church did fellowship from the very beginning. And you can see the depth of their commitment to each other right there when things began everything including their individuality is bringing them together the next thing that is mentioned is worship to the breaking of bread together this is this is told just weeks after the last supper with jesus they were there many of them were there they know the significance of this particular way of coming together it is to worship, to worship together corporately, to remember together what Jesus has done for them. And this is the way he gave them to remember, this way, with the table set in front of us this morning. And, and it reflects everything else we do in corporate worship as well, where together we express our satisfaction with God, and dependence upon Him, and our longing for Him, where we don't have Him. So what this looks like for us, every church has a different expression of worship. Even liturgical churches that have the, the exact same form, like an Anglican Church, the people are different, every single place. Ours is a way for worship that is meant to best help us express and experience our satisfaction. And longing for God, but worship is less about the particular form. Hear me, because we all we all have our opinions on the form. But worship is less about the particular form and more about the heart of each person toward God. For this is our opportunity to express ourselves to God, and and what He sees is our hearts. I don't think he's too concerned about whether that last song really should have been Blessed be the tie that binds. What we have every time we come together for corporate worship is the opportunity to pour our hearts out to him. Can you imagine what those first gatherings of worship were like? They didn't even have songs probably together at that time. I bet they came pretty quickly. But I bet they couldn't wait to get together and not just talk about what had been happening right before they got together, but to go to God together with amazement and awe and wonder and, wonder and longing for more. For Christians who see what God has done and is doing cannot not worship together. It just it comes out of us. And it has... From day one from day one worship and then finally simply prayer prayer I have to imagine those first prayers are an expression of awe and wonder right to the one who who gave that awe and wonder to them they they had to be in awe of God giving people different languages to speak that those around the Empire understood and and Peter's first sermon making sense of all that had just happened in the previous weeks with Jesus. Our prayer is an expression of trust right to the one we're trusting, both when we're grateful for something and in awe of what God is doing, but also when we're suffering or bearing another's suffering. Either one, we take it to God because we are trusting Him with all of it, or even just trying to. This, again, is something Christians in relationship cannot not do. It just comes out of us, like any relationship of trust, but especially trust in a loving, saving God. Now, I could say so much more about every single one of these things, but this is fundamentally what the church would do when it gets together, and frankly, it still does. This is, this is what we do. The content hasn't really changed. The form changes with the ages and, and virtually each local congregation, but ultimately, this is what we do as a church but there's one more thing that is not in this verse or passage but is really it's the rest of the book we walk out these doors do you remember what uh ruben called these doors a few weeks ago the doors of amnesia that was a martoonism but we, they they need to not be the doors of amnesia they are the doors that we go out into the world. We go into the world. Remember that this is the transition between all the things God was doing in them, through them, and around them. And they were amazing, and, and, and sometimes horrible things were happening. And, and then they'd get back together, and they'd think about it using scripture. They'd remember their trust in God and worship. They'd express their care and support of each other in in their fellowship, and they'd take it all to God in prayer. And then they'd walk back out the doors and into the world, boldly proclaiming God's salvation and Jesus Christ wherever they went. More amazing things would happen, and then they'd get back together again, over and over again, We've kind of formalized that repetition to Sunday mornings. Uh, sometimes we'll get together less formally in different times as well. But that's, it's just the same thing they were doing in the early church from the very beginning. We're reading the very first expression of church right after Pentecost, and it hasn't really changed. From the very beginning, it's simply the way been our way to live out a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. And they were a great church, not a perfect church. Already by chapter 5, there are some are going off the rails. And at no point, at no point were things easy. But they did it together, and God worked, and they were amazed this is the end of the series on church vitality and vision we've been looking at scriptures to understand what church and what christian life is and what we do it's both simple and deep like a like a wading pool safe for an infant and an ocean that an elephant can drown in I'm, i'm betting you've heard maybe heard that phrase before. And then every particular's expression of church is, is a little bit different because God has made us all individuals, but He brings us together as the body of Christ, operating in the world as salt and light, as witnesses to Jesus. We're working on pursuing God's leading together for our particular expression of church here between Kent and Renton, And we know whatever it is, it will be about loving God, loving our neighbor, and going into the world as witnesses to make disciples. And we'll be a fellowship of people of the Word, worshiping and praying. And then one day, we don't know when, God will bring together all the particular expressions of church around the world into one, into the completion of the work of redemption. It's where it's all going. The story has a good end. We see a glimpse of the picture of that church, the true and final church in the book of Revelation. And this is the final destination and it's beautiful. And to finish this sermon and this series, I'd like to to read that picture from Revelation 7, but read it in such a way that there's a couple of parts to it that are the church itself crying out and the angels crying out before God. So, we're going to read this a little bit responsively. I got most of it, but you'll see your parts in it in the yellow. Listen to this from Revelation. sits on the throne to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it is hard to be Your church. It's hard... It's hard in a world where everything is pulling us apart and telling us to be just our own individual, to come together. But Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would work in believers and draw us together in Your name and with Your leading to be Your church. For we we see a glimpse of, of where this is all going, Lord. And we are in awe, and we so want to be a part of that, even now. But God, in this world where there is, there are still tears, God, we pray that you would guide us, lead us, protect us, draw us in, in the shadow of your wings that we may be yours yours who are washed in the blood of the Lamb even now and living for you together. God, thank you for this call, this purpose, this comfort, this challenge, this part of being a church. Guide new hope, guide the church around the world as yours. Thank you for your word and thank you for your call We pray in Jesus' blessed name, amen, amen.